John the Viking Mauser here with the Get Strong or Die podcast. Today my guest is DJ Murakami. How are you doing today? Good, John. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, no problem. I've been wanting to get you on here for a little while now. Um, so for our listeners out there um, that may not be familiar with your work, um, can you tell us a little bit about um, what you're what you're doing currently, um, and then we'll get into your background. Yeah, currently uh, I'm at a gym here in Marietta, California. Uh, general strength and conditioning, fitness. Um, I also have uh, a company uh, with two other people called OMU online movement university and what we do is um kind of share different teachings and methodologies and systems from different trainers we call it like the netflix of movement so you could try different things check out different things every month would love to have you on john the viking <laughs> <laughs> yeah that's the plan um, we'll we'll definitely talk about that when we wrap up here and um see what um what I'm able to uh, bring to the table on that. So, how awesome. did how did you get into? Um, well, so you've probably started training people before the uh, online movement academy, I would assume, right? Yeah, I've been training for maybe 12, 13 years now. Cool. Um, um, so, how, yeah, go ahead. How how did you get into um, fitness or physical culture, uh, strength training, all that? Like, how did, how did that come about? Hmm. Let's see. I um, I started working out in high school, um, mainly out of fear. Uh, I, I played football. I wasn't necessarily the most talented, so I would uh, try to work really hard. And I remember doing like two a days in the off season, uh, pounding weight gainer, trying to get ready for the season uh, because I didn't want to get destroyed. Yeah. Uh, so that was driving me. And then eventually I, I kind of fell in love with the exercise part or being in the gym. And that kind of the, the insecurity <laughs> I had at the time, that was a way to, I guess, be good at something or, or prove my worth or try to get people to respect me and like me. And it was kind of just phases of that through my life of trying to get good at things uh to fill that little hole in my soul i guess yeah (laughs) still on the path very cool so how did that how did that lead into um you know uh strength training and training other people and and all that yeah so after i i stopped playing football due to a, a car accident i was pretty messed up for a while um I ended up training other athletes, um, and that started to build. And then I worked at a athletic training center, working with uh, college high school athletes. And then I started transitioning um, when I moved places into more just uh, general population, um, you know, soccer moms. And um, after that, just uh, ended up at independent training people moving to more online training uh so yeah i've I've seen different crowds but everyone's got a out of body everyone's a human very cool 
So <clears throat> is most of your uh, most of your training now done um, remotely? Yeah, I'd say the majority is workshops and online training and online courses. Very cool. Um, so, what's your what's your training for yourself? Like uh, what you're doing now? What's what does that kind of look like uh, currently? Uh, it's very simple, actually. Uh, so, I do uh, jujitsu three days a week. Okay. Um, and then I, for my training, I really just try to lift something heavy once a day. Um, I'll do a heavy like partial lift and then I'll do some easy simple like linear periodization for for full compound lifts um and then I like to end with some sort of feat of strength or something I could record and put on Instagram <laughs> uh, but it's pretty simple I might do like three three to four exercises or things in the gym when I come in and then I'm out very cool. Can you can you walk us through? Um, like, it doesn't even have to be a real like workout, but like, you know, just like an example, like what what the partial would be, what the other stuff would be. Just walk us through one real quick. Oh sure. So let's say uh, tomorrow, what I'm going to do is I'm going to come in the gym and I'm going to do a partial uh, overhead press. So I'll start from above the eyes a little bit and just lock out, and I'll kind of overload that heavy. And then I will go on to uh, full presses, like behind-the-neck presses. Um, and then I'll do some sort of bodybuilding dumbbell work. Um, and then I'll go outside and mess around with like a stone lift or something of that nature. And, and that's really it. Very cool. Now, are you doing the heavy partial? Um, <clears throat> I mean, obviously, it, it also makes you stronger. But are you doing that um, for the... Uh, post-activation potentiation kind of effect to make the uh, the full range stronger? Is, is that something you're after? I, I mean, I I rationalize that's why I'm doing it, and that's why I put it first. Uh, but to be honest, like emotionally and psychologically, I feel really good when I have a heavy load on my structure Yeah. in, in the day. I, I think it's more of a mental thing for me. Um, but yeah, there's a lot of benefits. I, I tell myself that's why I put it there. <laughs> yeah. Well, I think, I think a lot of people, um, use that, uh, rationale. And I think that, you know, the, the post-activation potentiation works. Um, but at the same time, I, I, um, you know, I do a lot of, uh, research on like the old time strongmen and, and the old time barbell lifters, and they did a lot of partials themselves. And I don't know that, um, many of them, may not have even known what post-activation potentiation was. So I know like the modern crew kind of, uh, bat, like, you know, they, they have a disdain for partial lifts, but I do not. I think that they're very useful. Um, whether you're using the, uh, post-activation potentiation or not, I think it's useful, uh, just in general. Yeah. I, I actually got in that was brainwashed by the exercise science community and like took out, heavy lifting and partials for a while, a couple of years. Mm. And um, physically I felt okay, but yeah, I did not enjoy training. I it kind of, I was a little depressed. Um, and I'm so glad I added that heavy weight back in, added in the partials, even just 
sometimes I'll do those like um, overhead jerk lifts mm-hmm. and just stand up with it. And there's something it does to my nervous system holding that heavy weight that uh, it, it's really a positive effect on my mood. Yeah, for sure. I think um, I think some people do. Uh, they take the partials too far, and they only do partials, and I think that can be detrimental. But when you're uh, when your training is pretty varied, and you're trying to hit everything, um, kind of like what you described, I think it's it's nothing but beneficial. And um, I also think that uh, you're right that the the nervous system and and just uh, certain connective tissues, you know, because when you're training the body, it's not all about the muscles, right? I mean, that's obviously a big part of it. But there's a lot more going on, and if nothing else, even mentally, just having the confidence to say, "Hey, like, you know, I did this with X amount of weight, you know, so I'm not scared or worried about this other thing." I think that's also helpful. Oh, definitely. I, I actually have, even if just uh, a mom comes in who's at it wants to lose some weight, is out of shape. I will start them with maybe some carries or walks with a load before. I have them tested out full range just so I know their structure can hold it. Yeah. So I think it's, it's a good healthy thing to do is get some weight on you. Yeah, for sure. Um, I think it's, uh, almost a lost art. Um, uh, one of the, I don't talk about partials a lot on, on the podcast, but, um, we do talk about isometrics a lot and I think, um, partials fall into the, kind of that same um category with the isometrics like people it's got like a bad rap for some reason with um the physical culture community at large but i think that those two things are super beneficial and um uh, they're you know unused and 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 i think that it's causing um a lot of holes in people's games where they could they could punch that in and make a lot of uh, get a lot of results out of it yeah i think it And it's weird in a sense because we call it a partial because we're only relating it to a full competition lift in a sport. Like if, if competition deadlift was a deficit, like below your feet, (laughs) then we would consider a regular, a trap bar deadlift, a partial, you know? So it's all relative to what we define full ranges and partial range. Oh man. Yeah. So it's a going. Yeah, I was just, just going off on a tangent, but yeah. yeah, it's it's all it's sort of relative, and um, but I but it definitely if you're only training one range of anything, no matter what the load, you're not using another range, and uh, if you don't use it, you lose it. So it's good to get the full spectrum in. Yeah, for sure, and I, I like that you pointed out the thing about the, the competitions. Um, we talk about that. Uh, frequently at the gym and one of the couple of things that you hear all the time um, i'm gonna use the squat as an example is like you know oh well you didn't squat to depth or you didn't squat to parallel and those are the those are like the two measurements for some reason for like if you're just talking to any average person about squatting and um well parallel is not a full range of motion and neither is neither is this depth and and depth is well in most cases depth but I mean, depth isn't even really like a measured thing, right? It's just like, that's just a word. <laughs> like, you, didn't, you didn't reach depth. What is that defined by? Um, you know, and I, I think that that's, that's great for competition because you have to have something that makes it judgeable, right? Like if, 
if um, you and I squatted and we went as low as we possibly could, it might look different, right? Like you might look like you went lower than me or, you know, like, or, or maybe your hamstring and your calf meet earlier and, and it looks like you're, you're squatting higher than I am. It makes it really hard to judge that, right? Um, the only people that would actually know if we went clear down as far as we absolutely could would be you and I, right? Like you would, you would know that you did it or I would know that I did it. Um, so judging of those lifts became, um, tricky. So they had to come up with ways to do it. Right. So like in the USAPL with a squat, the, what is considered depth or what is considered parallel is, um, when the crease of the hip drops below the top of the knee, um, that makes it judgeable. That doesn't mean that that's the, the right way to do that exercise or the best way to do that exercise. It means it's the easiest way to judge it. And I think that it's, um, it's very important for people to understand that because um, if you're only training your squat to those, <clears throat> to those depths um, or, or even never training above that, right, I think you're losing out. You should hit those different ranges, those different joint angles. You should play with different foot placements, all these different things. And I think people, um, people just take what's judgeable and run with it, I think, and take it way too far a lot of the time. You're listening to Get Strong or Die. We'll be back right after this. This episode is brought to you by Mauser Strength Dynamics one-on-one online coaching. So if you are looking for a satisfaction guarantee and you want to win competitions, or maybe you're constantly suffering from injuries and you don't know where to turn, or maybe you're just looking for some one-on-one support from a world-class strength coach, then Mauser Strength Dynamics is the coaching for you. So if you want more information, then find John at John the Viking Mauser on Facebook or at Mauser Strength on Instagram. Yeah, that's I, I like how you said squatting to depth. Like that's like a quality and not a destination. Right. And I also think I like to play little, you know, mind experiments. And if we go back in time and say they made the rules for powerlifting, uh, like a deep knee bend where you were judged off of how far your knees went down instead of the hip crease, like what the sport would look like, what athletes would look like, what are, what people would be researching for benefits of in the um, sports science community. Uh, Like I, I wish I could see these different universes of how (laughs) people turned out, you know? Yeah. Because we do kind of game, these uh rules and it makes me think of olympic lifting when they changed it from no body contact to now you can make the contact with the bar and how it completely changed the sport and even the body types you would see being able to do it with the technique changed um so yeah it's it's, uh we're in a weird world with a lot of history and sometimes we get stuck in it yeah for sure and i think i think that's um olympic weightlifting is a really great example actually of how um how a lift uh what's what's um you know commonly acknowledged as the proper way to do something but is really isn't it's just based on rules um because olympic weightlifting i mean in the very beginning uh, those lifts i mean the rules were very relaxed it was like you can get that thing over your head however you want and um that's where uh like the continental clean comes into play and you'll see um people do a continental clean and you'll see all these comments under their video. Like, what are you doing? It's terrible for your back. And that's, that's a stupid movement and this and that. But we actually know for fact that 
if you want to take a barbell or an axle bar from the floor to your chest, the continental clean is the best way to do it. Like hands down period that that's how you would do it. But then they changed the rules at some point and you weren't allowed to touch the bar to the body. So the continental clean disappeared and you weren't allowed to do it for a very long time. And then they changed the rules again to where the bar can now brush the body, but it can't stop and rest there. So you still can't do the continental clean, but you'll go to these, um, you can go to any college weight room and talk to any strength coach and they'll say, well, you know, the best way to get that up here is like this, like they're doing in the Olympics, but that's not necessarily true. That's only the best way to get that from the ground to the pressing rack position, following the rules. <laughs> if, mm-hmm. if, if those rules weren't in place, everybody would be doing the continental clean. I mean, well, you know, say, save for a few people, there would be a few um, outliers, I'm sure. Right. But the majority of people would be doing the continental clean. And um, to, to further um, prove that point, so the thinner, smaller Olympic weightlifters um, typically weren't as good at the continental clean because they didn't have the belly to, to hold the bar and propel the bar, right? And you still see this in some of the lighter classes and strongman competitions. So what Olympic weightlifters did, they invented the weight belt for the sole purpose of resting the bar on the belt and using it to clean the bar to the chest. The weight belt was never invented for intra-abdominal pressure and back support. It was literally invented as a hook to hang the barbell on to launch it to chest height. Um, and and that is because the continental clean is the best way to clean a barbell. <laughs> so, um, you know, and, and Man, then, I need to start doing more continental cleans. Now, I'm not saying that the continental clean... Uh, is the best way to train um, like explosive power. I'm not saying that it's that because, because maybe the modern clean is better at that. Um, I don't know. Uh, I guess it would depend on, on the ranges and things and there'd be a lot of variables there. All I'm saying is it's the best way to take the bar from the ground to chest to the, to the rack press position is to, is the continental it. Um, so take that for what it is and add that into training. However that is, but I think it's important to know those things. I think a lot of people have lost that uh, information because it's not being used and they see, you know, this is the world record. This how's, this is how this guy did it, but you have to understand they're following rules and parameters. Yeah. And once again, if we were to go into the multiple universes where all these different rules were going, uh, I think, People would say the um, the clean right now, how it's done, pulling under the bar with the explosive third pole, because it's been studied so much, because it's what the rules are, we see all the benefits for speed and explosiveness and athleticism. But if there were rules creating constraints that form some other type of movement, all the studies would be shifted to that and we'd see all these benefits. So it's like we've focused on what we have um and i think they would all argue that functional or ours is more athletic uh and once again it's it's relative to what these little um qualities that we pull out of it like explosiveness and um force and acceleration uh that we use to kind of defend it yeah and i think um you know people uh People figured this out in martial arts a long time ago. Um, 
in martial arts, when like let's take the UFC for example, and the UFC has uh, probably the least amount of rules in um, any kind of uh, competitive martial art, right? Like jujitsu has more rules than um, the UFC does, right? Like you can't punch in jujitsu, but you can in the UFC. You can't kick, so there's yeah, more. Thank God. <laughs> right. <laughs> so, so there's more rules, right? And we know that anytime there's a rule in in a fight, um, they're banning a thing because it works, right? Like, like you're you're not. They didn't remove punching from jujitsu because it doesn't work, <laughs> right? Right. Now, th- they had a goal, right? They want to keep it to the pure form. But the, but the the fact is, like they took the punching out because it works. In the UFC, they take eye gouging out because it works. Um, so I think people have to understand in um, lifting, it's the same, right? Anytime they make a rule in a competition to judge something, most of the time they're taking it out because it makes a difference because it works. Okay. Um, now. Sometimes in powerlifting, some of the rules do get a lot. You have to wonder. But uh, in like Olympic weightlifting and stuff, they're changing the rules not because they don't, they never changed the way that the clean worked because, hey, this is better and we don't want you to use an inferior method. Like that would never make any sense, right? Like if, if I'm competing against you and I see that and it's a max squat event and you're going out and doing, uh, I don't know, like a front squat instead of a back squat, why would I ever stop you and say, Hey man, um, you can't do that because it's inefficient. (laughs) Right. Right. I'm going to be like, okay, well let this guy front squat so I can beat him. Right. Like they're never going to ban anything because it's inefficient. They're only going to ban things because they work. And I think we really have to stop and, um, and look at that when we're looking at the competitive lifts. And I think you can learn a lot from that. Like, uh, if, if you can just, like I said, with the clean, if you can just look at it and they say, well, you can't, the, the bar can never stop. Well, immediately in my mind, I say, hmm, I wonder why that is. And, and then, you know, there there's going to be, it, because it works. <laughs> you know? So if you can like find those rules and look at some of those things, um, you can actually find out a lot about training and, and, and strength and, and all that. If, if you look at, uh, if you look at the sports that way. Yeah, that's funny. I had a friend recently tell me that if you wanted to be really uh, competent in a street fight, look at all the things that each martial arts is banned and learn them really well. <laughs> yeah, for for sure, a hundred percent. I mean, you know, and if you look at like uh, um, like Paul Vunak, Paul Vunak's out in um, California, and that's what he specializes in is like. Um, street fighting stuff and he used to train um, the Navy SEALs in Virginia and when you watch, when you look at his curriculum um, that's exactly what they're doing I mean he's like showing you how to poke eyes and do all this stuff and and uh, you know I could, I could talk about Paul Vunak forever but um, you know he does it from the standpoint of hey I know how to fight and now I'm going to add a little bit of cheating in and I think that's like that's brilliant. You know, um, a lot of people try to rely solely on like, Hey, I'm going to bite somebody and beat them in a fight or something. I don't think that's, yeah. I don't think that's a viable option, but if you know how to fight and then you're doing that stuff, it's great. And, um, I think it's the same with lifting. If you know how to do a clean and then you're like, Hey, I'm going to continental or even the other way around. Like if you, if you, for somehow grew up doing continentals, you're probably going to be way better at regular cleans after, 
after having done that, um, or at least there's going to be a certain amount of carryover. I think you got to look at all that stuff and, and add it all together just for the variability of it. For sure. And I, I like cheating. I think there's uh, the whole argument of against, uh, I do hear this a lot uh, in trainers, especially like functional trainers or whatever. They have something against efficiency in terms of like you're doing a cheating curl. Oh, well, you're not going to target the the muscle if you do that. Or you're doing a kipping pull-up and they're saying, oh, you're not getting the most out of certain lat activation. But, I mean, when are you, you going to do a strict pull-up in real life when you're trying to get over a fence or get on, to, get on the helicopter, you know? <laughs> right. um, I think they're both good, but there's cheating is another thing that's totally relative to the rules once again. And we're making rules for exercise just based off of the intention behind the exercise. And then it's, you know, what is your intention? You know, that determines whether what you're doing is right or wrong. Yeah, I think the the number one thing that comes to my mind is CrossFit, right? So CrossFit has... um, made it to where um especially in their competitions where like they can say um we're going to do box jumps but then you're actually allowed to do step ups right or like they they kind of have the the rules are very relaxed a lot of the time like um you can do all these crazy things with your burpees um i think during the crossfit uh open this this last time just like what two months ago they had like a burpee over bar thing and you were allowed to uh I can't remember how this worked. Like, but you had to do a burpee and then jump over the bar and turn around and do a burpee and jump over the bar. And I remember there were some videos of people dropping down and like rolling over and then jumping back over the bar. And I don't remember exactly how that helped out. I can't, I can't uh, remember. But anyway, they weren't doing the burpees like the right way. And everybody was throwing a fit about it. And it was like, well, it's within the rule set, so you're allowed to do it. And I don't think anybody's doing the CrossFit Open, like that workout, purely for fitness. Like that's that's a comp- <laughs> that's like a competition thing, right? Like because I, I did the Open, and I never once went into the Open workout and was like, "Well, this is my training for the day." Like the Open workout, was, it was literally a competition, so I didn't really care how my form was or how you know, what am I targeting my shoulders today? Like, I didn't really care. I wanted to just have the best time and score the highest and see where I could place. Um, and I think, I think a lot of people have a hard time with that for some reason. Yeah. But how cool is that, that they like invented a new style and technique to game the system. Right. Yeah. (laughs) yeah. Think about that when, um, when I first saw, uh, butterfly kipping pull-ups, like I don't, I'm not sure if that's ever been done before CrossFit, before it emerged in that culture. But you know, they had the constraints of you got to get from A to B, and they're like, "All right, this way works better." You know, it's like the that um, that high jump backwards. Uh, what is that? What's that? What event is that called? High jumping? Uh, where they they run and then they kind of like almost backflip over the thing. Yeah, the guy yeah. who did it uh, backwards, and they tried to disqualify him. They're making fun of him, and he changed the entire game. 
Yeah. So I, I think it's interesting to see those things emerge. Uh, and once again, it's all because of uh, the rules that were placed in front of them. That's funny. Yeah, for sure. I, I agree. I think, um, I think sometimes you have to, you have to like, you know, open the floodgates and just let people do whatever. And then you'll figure out with, with no restraints and no rules, you'll, fi- you'll figure out what works the best. Um, and, and you'll also figure out what works the best um, in competition and what's the best way to train for that because those two things are not always the same. I think a lot of people miss the boat there too where they say, well, this is how you do it in competition. So every time I do it, I have to do it that way. And I don't think that's the case at all. And um, uh, I think, um, you know, like even Westside Barbell, right? They're power lifters and they do the conjugate method. So every week when they're doing a squat, a bench or whatever, um, they're doing a different variation. And they almost never do the competition lift in the gym. Um, and But even proponents of Westside, uh, you know, they'll come into like Strongman or something and and um, they, they lose that ide- that ideology when it comes to the other events. And you'll see them do stones, and they'll do the stones the exact same way with the same stones, same height platform, same everything every single time they go in. And I think I think you lose a lot that way. I think that um, that you should at least be willing to periodically uh, kind of conjugate what you're doing and change it up a lot. Mm, that's is that what you do for your training uh when you're doing like a strong men event um yeah so i i don't know if anybody trains the same way i do but other than the people <laughs> other than the people that i train but yeah um i'm actually very similar to what uh kind of what you're doing um i usually go in and i do like a major movement like a heavy movement now i usually don't do, start with a partial but I'll start with a squat or overhead press or whatever it is um, and do that. And then um, I'll do my assistance work. And a lot of time that'll be um, a strongman thing. Like it could be a farmer's walk or a stone lift or whatever. Um, And I won't actually do a competition lift um, unless I'm just notoriously bad at it or something. I, I only probably do that event twice before a competition. So like if there's a, let's say there's stone to shoulder. Um, so, uh, in September I won, um, strongest man in the forest in Elkins, West Virginia. And there was a stone to shoulder event. I did stone to shoulder twice the whole year. I, I, I did it two weeks out from the, uh, three weeks out from the competition. And then I always take a week off before the competition. So I only did it twice going in and I won the event. Um, so, yeah, I just don't get so hung up on like, well, I have to do it this way and I have to do that. Now, that wasn't the only time that I touched stones, but I wasn't doing them every week. And I, I only did stone to shoulder like twice last year. <laughs> so. hmm. That's, yeah, I wonder, um, do you think that is what you respond better to? Or do you think there's something uh, broad for everyone? Uh, when it comes to that, because there's so many different systems, uh, you know, like conjugate or some people just do the frequent, just practice the lifts. Uh, I, I wonder if it's maybe like a personality type thing of what people prefer doing or, or how they respond to training. No, I do think that the mind is super powerful. Right. And, um, 
and I think that most of the time when you hear people say, um, when you, you hear that a lot, right? And even I say it, you know, like, Hey, everybody's different. When you, when I think when people say that, I think the mind is different. I don't think the bodies are all that different. I think that the mind is different. Mm-hmm. So yeah, there are people out there that probably need, um, to do a movement, you know, for six straight weeks or 12 straight weeks before they go to a competition, maybe just to mentally like get in the groove or gain that confidence or whatever the case is. Um, and I say need, but again, it's mental. So they don't really need that, but the way that their mindset is, they do need that. Um, but yeah, I think, I think, um, most people, if you mindset aside, I don't think a lot of the movements need that much practice. I think you just need to be strong. And um, you can actually, if you follow the top um, people from World's Strongest Man, um, I would say nine out of ten of them kind of do the same thing. I remember watching them training for uh, Worlds. um, I think it was year before last, and um, when Half Thor won, and he only did stones. Now, granted, he might have been doing more, but you know, just just based off of his Instagram, I think he only did two or three stone sessions leading in to that, and um, and he only he only did each uh, event two or three times before the the competition, and they knew way further out than that. You know, they they know eight eight weeks or so out uh, what the events are, and and none of them are really doing those same events for eight weeks. I think the the um the key is is to just be really really damn strong and then then do enough practice to where you're pretty efficient with it and most of the strongman stuff i mean it's not rocket science like there, there's all these videos out there like this is how you lift a stone and you have to do this and you have to do that and people like to pretend there's all this technique to it but there's really not and it's just you just have to be really strong and understand a couple fundamentals and you can do this stuff. I, I mean, I do it all the time. I go into random sports all the time and do something twice and I do fairly well. And, um, I just think it's, it's really overthought a lot of the time. So I'm, I'm going to continue overthinking this. So if, if the strongman competition, uh, lifts or events, aren't what they're training and they're focusing more on just getting strong. What are the movements that you say are getting them the strongest? Are we talking just barbell work? Um, well, the barbell, uh, again, in my opinion is, is King. Um, however, uh, I'll use one, one of my, my favorite example is, uh, Zadrunas Zavikas, big Z. Um, First of all, he has the most boring Instagram of anybody who has an Instagram on the planet. <laughs> but it's just selfies. It's it's mostly uh, selfies, and then other than selfies, the only two things you you see on there, like maybe the occasion, there might be the occasional outlier. Um, he does barbell squats and log press. And that's it. It's barbell, barbell squats, log press, and selfies. And this is probably the greatest um, modern strongman of all time. And that's that's what he does. 
Now, is he doing more than that? Sure, right? But you have to you have to ask yourself why is he posting those things? Well, because it's it's the thing he's doing the most of, and probably the thing he thinks is the most important. And um, and I tend to agree. As long as you're squatting, and as long as you're doing some kind of heavy overhead press, I think you're doing things pretty right. Um, and then you could argue deadlifts, but I think um, I think that is very uh, unique to the system you're using. You know, like West Side Barbell, like they don't do, um, re- like they really don't do a lot of heavy deadlifting at all during their training. It's all speed lifts, and there are other people that, that just don't deadlift. You know, they just squat and bench and go to a powerlifting meet. And, um, and then there are people that, that deadlift three times a week, you know. But I think um, the deadlift is kind of an exception to most rules. But in general, you need to be squatting and pressing and probably squatting with a barbell. Well, I'm going to up my selfie game now. Definitely. <laughs> yeah. Maybe, maybe <laughs> yeah, that's, that's the... That's the real secret. <laughs> it's not the it's not the squats and presses. It's who can get the most selfies in. <laughs> well, you know, a jack selfie's got to up your testosterone somehow. <laughs> that's I'm sure. That's probably. But yeah, you don't hear about a a deadlift every day program too often. I'm sure it's out there. <clears throat> no, well, the, they the, say it. The load is so high, your 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 nervous system would uh, explode. You know. <laughs> yeah. That's what I've always heard. It's it's taxing on the CNS. <laughs> yeah, for sure. And I think um, we did an Instagram live, and I talked about the squats. And you can squat every day, sure, but um, I probably wouldn't do like knee wrapped, belted up, low bar squats every day. The load's going to be too high. If you're going to do something like that, you need to auto regulate it somehow um, and keep the and keep the load fairly low. Um, <clears throat> You know, and it also depends on what the protocol for the squat every day is. But I know that a lot of them are like you max out every day, and um, if you're going to do that, you got to keep that uh, you got to keep that load pretty low. Yeah, that's uh, it's usually high bar, uh, no wraps, no belt. It just builds that mental toughness. Yeah, and uh, you know, and even even ass to grass, you know, because the the shorter you cut it, the the easier it's going to be. So that's a great if you're going to squat every day. That's a great time to start hitting ass to ankles, you know. Yeah, the the one time I ran the squat every day program is it wasn't the strongest I've been in my squat actually, but I just remember just having dead eyes going in and throwing <laughs> plates on the bar without warming up and just doing it. There was just no nerve at all. Yeah. But I think that the strongest I got in the squat was a Texas method. Are you familiar with that? Yeah. Um, yeah. I'm actually a big fan of the, uh, the Texas method. Yeah, that was a, it was a great, great program. It, it might've just been at the time I was doing it. I don't know. But, uh, yeah, just every Friday going for that new PR. I loved it. The The Texas Method has a really great story as to how it was um, created, actually. <laughs> I don't know. If you, if you don't know the story, you should definitely look it up because it's pretty cool. You're listening to Get Strong or Die. We'll be back right after this. 
Introducing Get Strong AF one-on-one online coaching with Hannah the Destroyer. This coaching program is for the focused and dedicated woman who wants to get stronger and compete. You'll never be left in the dark from bi-weekly training calls to support via text and email. She has your back every step of the way. There's made-for-you training sessions. Every exercise, every lift, every piece of equipment used has you and your goals in mind. And also, there's strong mindset training because we understand that strength and mindset go hand-in-hand. There will be weekly prompts, videos to up-level your mindset so when it comes to step on the competition floor, you are 100% ready. If you are interested in this, go ahead and email hannah at powerthroughmovement.net or look for more info at powerthroughmovement.net. I... I'm not sure if I've heard it. I know, was it, it, it was Penlay who created it, right? Um, yeah, it was Penlay, and I think it was created, actually, when Penlay and Mark Ripito, um were at the same gym together. Right, we're, we're in Texas. Yeah. And um, <laughs> they used to, uh, man, I, I'm, a, I'm a little uh, foggy on this, but I think you squat three days a week on the Texas method. I think right, mm-hmm. and and like the first yeah. the first day is um it's like a five by five or something or three by five, and then um the middle day used to be also fairly squats, yeah, but it used to be fairly heavy, and and then the third day was also really ridiculously heavy, and um so people started cheating on the middle day. And they had a they had a conglomerate of plates like and and the, all these like I guess they worked out it was like an old barbell club and like they had um you know as the plates would break they'd get rid of them so sometimes you could get like similar colored plates and some of these were the really old ones where like the reds weren't fifty fives they were actually like um, thirty three and the colors didn't match up so they would cheat and they would put these on and, and wouldn't um and they wouldn't squat as heavy. And all like all the lifters were doing this. They were all cheating and putting less weight on the bar in the middle day, so that they could save energy for the final day. <laughs> and, and they would periodically get busted for it. And Penlay would yell at them. And um, one day, a guy said, "Well, hey, if I uh, if I can um, do less today, I'll hit a PR on Friday." And he said, "Okay," and he did. And then. The next time, like two guys were like, "Hey, can we squat less on Wednesday?" And then we'll we'll, we'll definitely hit a PR on Friday. And he was like, "Sure." Well, it became so common, and it became so clear that if they squatted less weight on Wednesday, that they could hit the PRs on Friday. So they actually just changed the program to that. Oh, that's yeah, yeah. Now I remember. That's awesome. <laughs> Imagine being those kids, and you're just throwing the dice every week, you know, fighting for it. That's, yeah, that's good coaching psychology right there. Yeah, and it was great, and it was very cool that that Penlay, um, uh, like, allowed it to happen. You know, I think a lot of, and granted, now he he's worked with the best, and he's one of the best lifters of all time. But, um, you know, I think a lot of other coaches would have would have just dropped the ball in that situation. Mm-hmm. Yeah, <clears throat> uh, yeah, Penlay's got to be the greatest American strength coach. He's got to be up there. Yeah, for sure. So I thought that was pretty cool. I'm a, I'm a big fan of the um, the Texas method. I think it's uh, it's it's quality and it teaches you, it teaches you a lot mentally, like especially on that um, where you where you uh, hit a new five rep max on Fridays and stuff. I think that that teaches you a lot, and um, 
yeah, I think it's super important to to take to at least give that method a test run for for a couple of months. Yeah, I think if you're especially if you're like a young man, you know, who could do work, that's a great program to just put on strength. Cool. Um, so I wanted to ask you because um, you do a lot of stuff uh, where you're out where you're at. Um, what are some of the more um, unconventional implements and things that you've been using lately that you think you get a lot of bang for your buck out of? I know you have like a, um, one of those, uh, I guess it's some kind of polycarbonate, um, and it's like bendy, like a stretch bar. I can't remember what the names of those are. Um, I've seen you use those before and some other things. Yeah, I'm going to call that a, a torque stick. Okay. <laughs> but, uh, different brands have different names yeah i love that mainly to just teach i love using it with clients to teach people tension just creating tension throughout their body um i'll kind of have them use that uh during different movements like squats or hinges um even if we're doing mobility work in like a 90 90 position working the hips i'll have them just squeeze that as hard as they can to kind of create uh, torque and irradiation throughout the body. Very cool. Um, I also love using one of my favorite tools is, is sandbags. Um, it, I think that'd be the one piece of equipment. If I could only choose one, it would be sandbags to use. Um, I just love the load in front of the body, the, the squeeze that you have to carry it with, the um, kind of chaotic uneven nature of the sand especially when it's loose um yeah i think that just builds some sort of farm boy man strength when you're tossing those things around all day yeah for Uh, sure i think um have you read dinosaur training i've read one or two of those yeah um yeah i think uh what's it is it brooks kubrick i think is the guy um he Mm -hmm. I think he says in his book that if he could only ever lift with one thing, it would be sandbags. Oh, nice. Yeah. Yeah. That, I mean, I, I love stones too, uh, or chunks of concrete, whatever's available. Right. I actually love just lifting random shit. I see outside to be honest. Yeah. Um, ever since I started doing it now, whenever I'm driving, I, I just look at things you know by the dumpster or on the side of the road yeah um and that's just fun i i mean a lot of them aren't necessarily just heavy so it's something i could do frequently but the the riddle of finding a solution for you know the size the grip the balance uh the texture especially the the ground you're standing on at the time whether it's uneven is it's a fun game You know, it's just a riddle to solve, and there's so much complexity in it as far as, you know, you're you're getting in the transverse plane a little bit. You're having to twist and shift, and it's very uneven loads. You just can't recreate that kind of organic strength in the gym. Um, But but once again, I'm rationalizing benefits when really it's just a fun thing to do. (laughs) (laughs) Right. Uh, yeah, I think there is, there is something to it. I mean, I, I do a lot of competitions and I will see, um, 
I see a lot of people that are stronger than me or somebody else on paper and then just completely get stumped by some stone that's awkwardly shaped or or um, you know they're lifting on grass instead of a platform and you know you wouldn't think that that stuff um, would make that much of a difference but sometimes it does just because people lift in such ideal situations that um, the, and they have removed themselves so much from these other uh, adversities that that it makes a difference and and I'm not even you know a sport specific guy I don't think you know I think a lot of that stuff's overrated but um, like I don't think you need to be training in the grass every single day, but you should do it periodically, and you should have an uneven ground periodically, um, you know, just so it doesn't throw you off that much. Because I see it all the time. Yeah, my, I was just watching my kid the other day, and he's like one and a half, so he's starting to run around all over the place, and he's very proficient. Runs around, you know, jumps. But we took him out on a trail where it was, it was rocky, lots of, uh, you know, it's a gradient tilts. And he was just looked like he was drunk just because he wasn't used to it. And yeah, it got me thinking we're training and loading up so much on this flat surface that uh, I think there, there is something we're missing, you know, being on a, a different terrain, uneven terrain. <clears throat> yeah, for sure. <clears throat> So, um, tell us a little bit about, um, <clears throat> you made a post, uh, not long ago, um, where I think it was a, it was a comparison of stone lifting and one was like lift with your legs and the other was lift with your back. And, um, I, I really, uh, liked that post. Um, tell, tell me your thoughts on rounded back lifting and use and actually using your back for stuff. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I think it's, um, if we just look at the best of the best, uh, a lot of them are, are rounding their upper back and uh, have a little bit of flexion when doing heavy deadlifts. And it blows my mind because I was just looking through my feed the other day, looking at these, some power lifters, some beasts pulling like 800 pounds. And I was thinking if someone in the gym, if a trainer had, saw someone do this with 135 or 225 they would be yelling at them about how bad it is right like arch the back chest up and i think that cue actually can cause like lumbar like like low back pain when you're arching the weight up Um, yeah for sure i think you're just creating a totally different tension and torque with the body when you attempt to kind of squat up a weight instead of lifting with the hips and the back at that angle and, and using the hinge. So I not only think it's more efficient, I think it's, uh, there's a lot of issues with trying to do the opposite. Yeah. And you're, you're absolutely right. I see it. Um, <clears throat> I see it, uh, pretty frequently myself. I actually, I have a, a guy that I train and, um, I'm usually not around when he's uh, doing his thing and people have approached him, um, almost weekly and are like, Hey, you're, you're upper back's rounding. Like you're going to get hurt. And they're always harassing him about it. And he messages me about every week and it's like, Hey, somebody said this to me. And I like, just ignore him. Like who cares? Like, you know, and I have to keep 
you know, resending videos like of Eddie Hall or Andy Bolton or somebody with a round back and be like, look, it's, it's like totally natural, totally cool. Like, it's not a big deal. Just like, don't listen to these, these idiots, you know? <laughs> yeah. Oh, and sorry, going back to that post I made, there was this big ass rock that I was like for me that I was trying to lift for a year, like two years. And I would go and I'd do, I would do the form where I was like chest up, spread the knees apart, you know, uh, and I would try to lift like a, like I was squatting or like I was doing an Olympic lift. Um, and then finally, I did the opposite with everything, like from screwing in my feet to my hands. Everything was the opposite direction, and I went into that hinge, um, and it came up. And then the idea was, I was like, you know, I was getting stronger over this two years, but that's not what made me lift that stone finally. Right. It was, you know, how I was channeling the strength. And in a sense, because I wasn't channeling it that way when I was lifting things up, I was weaker at it. And that's something I had to train and build up. So once again, it's got me out of the idea of like a movement is a movement. It's or an angle, even an angle or a position as a position. It's how you're creating tension uh, in that position. So yeah, lift with lift with the hips. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, for sure. So, but so many people are afraid of using their back. It's uh, it's and it's like that's the number one thing that I hear. No matter what the lift is, like I can do a. And this is actually, this happens a lot. I'll do a lift on Instagram that I didn't think twice about my back. You know, like, like my back was the least of my worries. And somebody will comment and say, oh, just watching this hurts my back. And I'm thinking, man, like, <laughs> <laughs> like I was barely using it, you know. <laughs> Dude, it, it's crazy. It, and I bet when they're watching you do it, like they're wincing and they do feel pain in their back. Like so much of it is psychological. Um, I had a girl who could, she could squat 245, so she was strong. Yeah. I had her try a sandbag for the first time, I think it was like 50 pounds, and she struggled picking it up, and she said it bothered her back. And once we played with it, she was fine, but I think just lifting with your back is... I think we're kind of conditioned to think that that's going to hurt your back. And yeah. a lot of it, a lot of it is psychological. Um, and yeah, it's counterintuitive for a lot of people, but it is the thing that will, that bracing will protect you. I even have some people like, even if we're doing dimmel deadlifts with a light kettlebell, I'll have them, I, you know, I'll poke and have them flex as much as they can. So they're totally rounded and it's like, Oh, my back feels fine. And I'm feeling it in the glutes mm -hmm. and the hamstrings. Yeah. And it's like, all right, we got to work from there, but, but find that same tension. So yeah, it's a weird, it, when you do it on Instagram, it's funny seeing these people, uh, think we're those wooden dolls that you have to create perfect angles with. Yeah. I think, uh, <laughs> it's funny to me, you know, and I deal with this, like a lot of this, like peep comments and stuff. And so I'm kind of, um, I guess I'm kind of jaded, but, uh, a lot of the time, you know, I'll go to a competition and 
you know, sometimes they have very unique items at these competitions that you'll lift, and it's just like, you know, you couldn't train the item. You know, it could be a an a boat anchor. You know, like a three hundred pound boat anchor or something. It's like, well, shit, I don't have a boat anchor. Nobody's got one. Like, I just ain't going to train the event. You know, um, but you'll you'll show up to something like this. You know, everybody will huddle around, and people say like, "How are you going to pick that up?" Or like, "What what do you think?" And yeah, everybody's talking or whatever. <laughs> And my go-to answer, which is still, which is actually the truth most of the time, but my go-to answer is, well, I'm going to bend over with my ass in the air and use my back. (laughs) 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 But it it sounds like a real, I guess, asshole answer, but I mean, most of the time that's what happens. You know, you go and you grab this awkward thing and you, you end up with your, your ass over your head and you just back the ever loving shit out of it <laughs> i mean it's solid advice because when you're actually in the moment with your hands on it how many things can you really think about right <laughs> but it, it does sound like a an asinine thing to say you know but i mean it's like well no matter what my game plan was going out i mean usually that is what it defaults to right i mean it's like if it's really if it's really heavy and you have no choice but to put this thing in your lap or carry it or whatever and that's what's going to happen <laughs> you know? yeah if you're gonna lift the car off of your baby that's what you're gonna do <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly right i mean it's so I you're just, not gonna lift with the legs which <laughs> yeah and, uh, you know and i've even said it but not thought that was what i was going to do and went out and it was just so damn heavy that that's that's what happened. And so, so, so I ended up being right, whether I wanted to be or not. And, uh, <laughs> it, it turned out, it started as a joke and then it became your mantra. Yeah. It became reality. <laughs> so, but yeah, I'm, I'm very rarely worried about, um, damage to my back at this point. Um, now everybody has some SI joints here and there, SI joint problems here and there. Of course, um, if you're if you've been lifting long enough, you'll aggravate one of those. But um, yeah, I don't have any concerns about you know blowing out a disc or anything like that most of the time. And do you find uh, when you get people, your the people you work with, to work with these uh, kind of odd objects uh, lifting stones where it forces you into that right and you have them carry over to the barbell do you see symptoms diminish of low back pain a hundred percent yeah 100 percent. every time without fail um it, it's actually funny uh <clears throat> i won't go into too much detail but it's really funny the amount of issues that have come through the gym with me that have been fixed by doing things that people either said were wrong or wouldn't work. Um, I could, I could give you a list and you wouldn't believe some of the stuff on the list that we have fixed or cured or whatever, just from lifting weights or just from minor, um, simplistic dietary changes. I mean, it would be people would, there would be people at my house with torches and pitchforks saying that I was some kind of heretic and liar. And <laughs> I mean, just the amount of stuff and back pain is one of them. I tell people all the time, you know, lift, lift naturally rounded upper back and your, your sciatica problems will go away and you know, it goes away. And then, but you know, 
I could have a line of 400 people saying, you know, saying that this occurred and the people would deny it, you know? Yeah. Well, yeah, I mean, that's, uh, I think Dan John said, uh, strength is corrective. Just have them pick up some heavy shit between their legs and things tend to get better. Right. Yeah, man. I, it's, it's true. Um, nobody was ever like, you know what? Damn it. If I wasn't so strong, <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> uh, I'm I'm out of balance. I need to get weaker. <laughs> right. Right. Or you know, or or damn it, I'm just too fast, you know, or damn it, I'm just I'm just too flexible. You know, these things don't they're not real problems, you know. It's like uh it's like having too much money, right? It's not a real issue. God damn, I am too fast. <laughs> yeah. That's funny. Like that's a that's the problem I want to have, being too fast, you know. <laughs> like I'll trade yeah. some, if we're Go. trading if we're trading problems, I got a I got a bunch I'll give you give up for that one. <laughs> yeah, that's a it, yeah, it's it's ridiculous. Cuz it's I mean, there's people out there who say that, you know, there's, uh, I mean, I see diminishing returns as a thing, um, but to be too strong or to invest too much in strength, uh, it's only bad when you're neglecting maybe something else. Right. But yeah, str- strong people <laughs> tend to, tend to survive in, uh, short-term situations. Yeah, for sure. <clears throat> But uh, we're about out of time. Um, I want to thank you very much for joining us. Uh, it's been great. Um, I want to shout out to uh, sponsors, Grapito, grapito.com. Um, drop Mauser Strength in the code bar. Um, you'll get a discount off any order over $99. And Level Up Mushrooms, drop my name in the notes. You get a free shirt with your order. Um, those guys are great, so check them out. Um, DJ, I want to thank you very much. It's been a pleasure. Uh, we'll definitely have you back on again at some point, and we'll talk. Um, this has been John the Viking Mauser, DJ Murakami. Get strong or die. This episode is brought to you by Mauser Strength Dynamics one-on-one online coaching. So if you're looking for a satisfaction guarantee and you want to win competitions or maybe you're constantly suffering from injuries and you don't know where to turn, or maybe you're just looking for some one-on-one support from a world-class strength coach, then Mauser Strength Dynamics is the coaching for you. So if you want more information, then find John at John the Viking Mauser on Facebook or at Mauser Strength on Instagram.